Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, lady <laughs> and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Nick Nunziata, and you are at the uh, Chud.com podcast. Uh, today we'll be having a special guest, uh, once he calls in, uh, Jody Hill, man who brought you the Foot Fist Away, Observe and Report, and he's, he's founded down on HBO. New season's about to start up, uh, and anybody who has seen the man's work knows that he is a force to be reckoned with, and, and uh, somebody who I think we've just seen the tip of the iceberg of the talent of. Leading into that, uh, I'll bullshit for a while until until the man calls in. Um, this is an amateur uh, an amateur setup, I have to admit. Uh, I can't really screen calls correctly. It's 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 uh, it's small time, so forgive the uh, the moments where it doesn't completely gel. I know that you expect nothing but perfection from me, but every once in a while I have to let you down in that department, and it, it pains me. But it's just part of the deal. Uh, not everything can be a gold nugget. It is Tuesday. It is the 21st of September, and we are hauling ass towards the end of the year. Summer is way gone, um, and so is day gone. And uh, we're in the, the period of time where movies are coming out that are either really surprisingly good or really surprisingly shit-canned uh, just to get out of the way before the Thanksgiving and, and the real cream of the crop theoretically arrive. But... I'm here to tell you there's been some really good stuff that I've seen in the theater lately, and I can't wait to talk about some of them. I'll be putting up a review um, this week of uh, the new Wall Street movie, uh, and I'll spoil it by saying it's not a classic, but it's not horrible. So you have to wait and see how that response goes. Uh, I saw a couple of other movies over the past few weeks, and, and I'll be putting reviews up of those as soon as I'm able to, and I think there's some really good stuff coming out. Uh, I'm very optimistic about the second, the, the, well, the last chunk of this year, and I'm typically a guy who August comes around and I'm just pissed off. It's like, what a shitty year, what a shitty year, and then somehow the years tend to write themselves at the end. And I don't know if it's me getting older and more boring and liking the more cerebral or, or Oscar-bait type of films, or if it's a case where um, maybe I'm growing up as a human being and uh, not as easily wowed by spectacle. That said... I love me some spectacles. Um, so, uh, I think I've got Mr. Justin Waddell on the line here to, to help me through this. Justin, are you there? Yes. How are you doing, hey. my good man? Good. Yeah, in the parking lot. I'm in a fancy office. Okay, good. So, you win. What have you been up to? Did you watch Boardwalk Empire? I watched the beginning like ten minutes, but I wasn't able to finish it yet. Why? Why would you not be able to finish it? Because I wanted to watch it with my special someone, and she wasn't uh -huh. available. Okay. Yeah. So when is Merle going to get a chance to watch the rest of it with you? Did you Did you watch? Did you um, watch it? Or did, I'm sorry. Did you? Uh, you were. You guys recently reviewed it. You, re you reviewed it. I can't even talk. We did. Right? And what did you think of it? I didn't get a chance to read that review yet. I think it's got a lot of potential. It doesn't yeah. necessarily... See, I was kind of treating it in my mind as like a new Scorsese movie, like an extra nugget of Scorsese, like something that was up up to snuff with his you know theatrical stuff, and it's not quite there. Sure. 
but it's quite mm-hmm. good. There's a lot of potential for it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally sold. Um, and I think Buscemi is kind of a, um, he's not a leading man, and I don't know if that's going to hurt the series or help it in the long run. Because, like, you know how, like, when, when Deadwood started, I think it was setting you up to follow, mostly follow Mr. Oliphant. But I think over time it became clear who the real stars were. And I don't yeah. know if it's going to be like that or if it's going to be an ensemble like The Wire was. Like, I mean, as, as much as McNutty was uh, important in certain seasons of the show, it was obviously an ensemble. And uh, Boardwalk Empire, I think, benefits greatly from that perspective rather than trying to make it a star vehicle because, I mean, it's not The Sopranos, obviously. No, I mean, that, that's the beginning was very odd. That's my car. Um, I thought the beginning was very odd. It kind of reminded me of, like, the title to, like, John from Cincinnati or something for some reason. That's not a good like thing. It seemed like a very odd way to begin that series. It's, it's intriguing. I mean, it's, a, it's interesting. Um, Bruce Greenwood, this show would benefit from, from some Bruce Greenwood. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, I do. He's Everything actually in a movie. He's actually in a film that's coming out pretty soon. It's supposed to be fantastic. It just played the... Uh, uh, was it Toronto? What, what, what festival just happened? There's a lot of them, but the Toronto just happened. Toron- Toronto and, and uh, Fantastic Fest are current. He, uh, he played in. He played in. He's in a western with Michelle Williams, I think, by the woman who did. Uh, yeah. Uh, a couple movies with Michelle Williams, or yeah. other, let me see who I've got here on the phone. Let me see who I've got here on the phone. Caller, who is this? Just called in from the seven zero four. Hey, hey, this is uh, Jerry Phil. Is this Nick? Yes. Mr. Hey, Hill, how, how are you doing? doing? Good. I'm how's doing going, I am doing very well. You are you are on. Uh it is a pleasure to have you here. So I guess we'll kinda of just jump right into it if you don't mind. Oh yeah, let's go for it, man. Alright, well uh first of all, um very excited about the new season. Uh, oh thanks. That, that that show um it's 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 very rare to have something that first of all that you can count on to 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 really kind of push your buttons and also something that's kind of unpredictable especially the way you ended the first season and uh i love the fact that although there's been a few little bits of information that have come out about what the season's about it really is kind of an x factor and that's not easy in this day and age um, <laughs> we're trying to maybe, keep it pretty quiet man it's been it's been a uh, it's been kind of tough because everybody's asking but uh got to keep finding creative ways to say, uh, you have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because like, that's one of those shows that kind of snuck up on a lot of people. Um, you know, they knew who Danny McBride was, and, and, and obviously they subscribed to the station, and there were people that were early adopters, but that thing has really grown. I know that the DVD obviously helped massively, but now, you know, you see Kenny Powers' face, like, on, like, the back of a wrestling magazine, and people just <laughs> smile ear to ear when they see the guy. <laughs> for advertising and everything. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't you don't get the sneak attack anymore. You're you're people people are rabid now. Yeah, it's kinda weird. Kinda, it's such um, a it's such a difference of first season because first season, uh you know, I don't even think we weren't even on anybody's radar, you know, we first came out. I don't think uh I don't know if HBO knew exactly what to think or whatever, but uh you know, we somehow built a following out of that and <laughs> this season's yeah. a different story, huh? <laughs> Um, what did that change kind of the way that you approached season two, or did you kind of already have that in mind what you were going to do? Um, no, you know we kind of um, 
we kind of had some rough ideas. We definitely wanted to, um, the whole thing with season two is we wanted to kind of just, uh, just kind of like do something different that kind of hasn't been done on a TV show where we were just like, let's change locations and characters completely. So that's kind of where that came from. We weren't exactly sure where else to take Kenny after, uh, Shelby, so it seemed just like, uh, like kind of like Mexico would be a place where outlaws go to die. So he's all right, kind of out of the movies. Yeah, that's kind of what brought about that idea. That's incredible. Uh, I've also got my co-host Justin here, and I'm sure, and if Justin, if you have anything you want to say, please pipe in at your at your leisure. Oh, hey Justin. Hey. <laughs> good. <laughs> Buddy, yeah. good. That's good, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny when when somebody thinks of a muse. I don't think typically Danny McBride is what pops into their head. <laughs> but uh, I just look at him and like words come to mind. <laughs> yeah, po- poetry and, and poetry angel music and maybe a stack of pancakes. <laughs> um, uh, when did when, what was your first encounter with the guy, and what kind of clued you guys into that you the fact that you were such a good team? <laughs> um, you know, we lived uh, beside each other our freshman year in the dorms. Whenever we uh, at North Carolina School of the Arts, we went to school, and uh, we kind of made friends. I mean, we were in the film school together, but we uh, we made friends like the first week we were in school, and. Um, you know, we lived together the next year. We just kind of, did, I guess it started out as friends and just kind of, you know, digging film together. But, um, you know, David put him in all the real girls, and it was kind of a, it was kind of like a funny thing. Like, it was like, what, Dan, like, we should get Danny to do it. Ah, ha, ha. And then uh, it, turned, it turned out he was pretty good. And, um, you know, after that, I kind of, uh, I was wanting to make a movie, so it just kind of all came together. Uh, when uh when I came up with this idea for about a an asshole karate instructor and, and Danny had done all the real girls, so it was like, oh, let's do this <laughs> together. Yeah, unbelievable. But, but, yeah, that's where it kind of began. And it was Kenny Powers kind of born during those days, or or was it just something that kind of just he was born like a little bit before. He was born like a I guess a little bit before we had talked about um. We were trying to come up with show ideas. We were all out in L.A. working on, like, uh, we just had uh, a bunch of crappy jobs. Like, I worked on this reality TV show, and Danny worked, uh, he, he used to have motion control cameras for behind the music and things like that. <laughs> and, uh, we were trying to come up with TV shows, and we were hanging out in Charlotte, just um, in, uh, in Ben Best's backyard, and we were just kicking around ideas, and this was one of the ones that came to mind. That's incredible. Yeah, that, that's, Ben Best, Ben Best is another one. It's so funny, because, like, when when you're young and you meet people that you know that are fun to hang out with and you do those creative projects, typically, you know, uh, maybe one of those people ends up, you know, panning out. But it's it's great that, that, that the three of you guys have such a great rapport and that not only, and it's not like it's an, an inside thing. I mean, it, it actually translates really well to, to to a wide audience. It's it's really surprising that that you that you guys were managed you know managed to stick together and come up together because it certainly it certainly makes it that much more of a, of a rewarding experience. I think for the people that kind of have have kind of grown up and, and live vicariously through your guys' careers. Oh, thanks, man. You know, um, yeah, I know. I feel lucky every day that like you just get to make uh, I get to make stuff for a living with my buddies. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely yeah, and, get old. You know what I mean? Like it's stressful and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it's definitely pretty awesome. But you know, being a like uh, just kind of being able to do what you wanted to do, but with all your friends around. You know, it's fun. It's kind of like being back in film school. You know. 
Uh, we're going to have a few guys calling in to, to ask you a question or two, but uh, I did want to okay. say that now that Observer Reports had a chance to kind of seep in, it's like this weird Trojan horse of a movie. Where, <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, for, for the populist crowd, you had to market it. It had to be marketed as, you know, a Seth Rogen comedy, but it's obviously yeah. not, not that. And, it, and it's kind of cool because there's such a divisive response to it. You know, some people worship it. Some people are baffled by it. Some people dig it as like this edgy thing, but the one thing that's consistent is people respect it, and I think that that is like the coolest thing about it, and you know, now that it, now that it's kind of had a chance to seep in, uh, what, what, what is, you know, reflecting on it, what, where does it, what does it, how's the play for it uh, on you? Um, you know, right when that movie came out, I kind of, uh, I kind of pictured that it would be, um, the response would be somewhat divided, yeah, and um, when it, when it was, you know, it, I was right. I mean, kind of like you're saying. And um, I remember right when it came out, though, it was it was like really scary. I was like, oh god, you know, like half the people love it, half the people hate it. And um, uh, you know, that kind of took a while to process. But then, you know, just this has kind of come out, and all you know, whatever little hoopla there was, and then uh, has gone away. It's kind of it's kind of like you were saying. Like, there's a lot of people still respect it, and um, and talk about it. So I'm, you know, that being said, I've always been proud of it. But uh, I'm certainly uh, there's no. Uh, it's just kind of like uh, I want. It was on HBO the other night, and I I hadn't really seen it since it came out, and uh, I watched it, and um, I don't know. It's just really good. Like it was one of the most fun viewings of the movie that, that I've had. Just uh, it's just kind of it just kind of hit me that it was kind of it was kind of a, a unique movie that somehow we were able to pull off, you know, with a studio, and it's just kind of like batshit crazy when I was watching yeah. <laughs> I just got I, a smile going, oh, wow, this is on HBO. That's kind of awesome. I, I, I love the idea of some, like, 13-year-old kid or whatever going to Blockbuster and just picking it up. Hey, I like Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, let me watch this. And then watching yeah. him just get his, his shit messed with so hard. It's incredible. I love it. No, it, it you know, and, and that's the thing, I mean, there's, it's sneak attack is, is is typically the best way, and I think that and 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 you have such a good way of you know the way that the material balances a lot of different kinds of elements like that. It's 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 got to be. I just like watching it, watching the unsuspecting people kind of. Kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in a, bring bring folks in to talk to you if it's cool with you. Oh sure, yeah, let's do it, man. All right, well, we got a caller named Nick here on the phone. Let's, uh, Nick, welcome back. Uh, hello. You're on, How's sir. Going, man? Uh, it's going good. Um, uh, first of all, I want to say hello, Mr. Hill. Nick. <laughs> um, uh, so I have a question for you. I don't know if you remember this, but back in, I guess it would have been April 2009 when Observer Report came back, he talked to, uh, the, uh, late Devin Faraci in a video interview, and, uh, <laughs> you said, um, how you think that, and this is something I actually agree with, that you think that how these days TV is more edgy than movies, but you think it should be the opposite way, where movies, when you see them, that's where you're getting the very edgy material and the shocking material. And so I was wondering if, when you make Eastbound and Down, because you're so creatively involved in that, you know, even if you're not directing it, so you're usually writing it or involved in the story of the episode, do you stick to that? Do you try and maybe save your more... I guess, uh, I don't know what the word is. I guess you're more shocking material. Do you try and save that for a movie that you'll be making soon, or do you just kind of go all out when making the show? 
Um, I mean, I guess I guess we go all out when we're making the show. Um, it's uh, you know, even though a lot of the material is kind of like shocking, you know, the things that he says and whatnot. Um, you know, we kind of try to keep it, the show based, you know, really in the character of Kenny Powers. So, um, although we have fun and we want it to be kind of wild and entertaining and intriguing and all that kind of stuff, you know, we we do try to keep it um, consistent with Kenny Powers' character. So, um, you know, that's, East Bell and Down has, like, its own rules that we can, uh, you know, go forward and everything. I think just, like, uh, certainly, like, the... The shock factor is fun, um, but you know, um, you know, it's not it's not complete. It's not like I guess what what maybe I should amend what I said to say to you know I think it's more just like a uh, a content and style and you know narrative kind of choice that that I don't see like people taking a lot of risk of in movies. Whereas like in um and uh and when they do. You know what I mean? It seems like I'm pretty like I'm pretty upset about the whole Scott Pilgrim thing. You know, I really like that movie, and um, I just don't see why that one you know didn't didn't do that well. And um, you know, there's a few movies like that. Whereas, like I don't know, and we're sitting there doing a seven a seven series, uh, you know, seven episode art this year, which is the equivalent of like a three and a half hour movie, and it's like totally weird. It doesn't follow like any of the traditional uh, format and stuff, and yet, you know, that works on TV, and a few other cases of that on HBO have been working, so, um, I don't know, I just like to see people, you know, more risk kind of being taken in movies, I guess, I guess that's what I meant when I said that. Yeah, I, I did, yeah the that Scott Pilgrim thing. <laughs> no, that's, that's, the Scott Pilgrim thing is baffling, because, you, you, I mean, anybody who's, who's kind of savvy and appreciates film knows that that, that thing is going to really knock people over over the long haul. It just sucks yeah. that, you know, like, like that, can happen and not get the recognition it deserved. You know, it's funny, Kenny Powers is like the only person I could think of in recent memory on TV. You know, you have those characters who are kind of like, like, the, like the Larry David kind of guys who are saying things that you kind of, you kind of wish you could say and get right. away with. And Kenny Powers says the things <laughs> you don't want to say that probably don't even come to your mind originally that you've like on a completely different wavelength. And it kind of defies that because there is that like there's that weird comfort zone in comedy where you know, you have those characters who are who are who are assholes but assholes that you wish you could be in terms of get, getting away with what they say. But Kenny kind of defies a lot of that stuff and is his own animal, and and, yeah. and 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 people seem to embrace it even more. It's like you know he's not an asshole; he's just this badass. You know, yeah. it's so weird. It's such a weird. It's really weird it's really scary when like people come up and are like. You know, I'm just like Kenny Powers. You know, <laughs> it's like it kind of makes you feel weird. Where you're like, oh man, I don't well, know if you get this exactly. <laughs> well, well, Chud.com is based out of Alpharetta, Georgia, which is in the suburbs of Atlanta. So I, I, I see my share of Kenny Powers. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the only thing is, the, they're just you know they either match them in appearance or in, in the bluntness, but they don't they don't have the uh, the panache or the or the good writing behind them. <laughs> it's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we met a we met an athlete recently, and uh, I I I won't say their name, but uh, it was very much like this just kind of obnoxious dude, and um and um you know just always saying things that were inappropriate, like you know kind of making a fool of himself, and uh we were me and Danny were talking, we were like this is Kenny Powers, like Kenny Powers in real life wouldn't be 
funny, and he wouldn't be like cool to watch on TV. There wouldn't be like right. cool music playing around him. He would just be like a guy who just kind of sucks when he's around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, I'm in Atlanta, so I, I lived through the John Rocker days, so I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, let me bring let me bring in another caller, a caller from the eight four five area code. How are you doing today? Uh, hello. What's your name there, sir? Uh, Steve. Steve, would you like to talk to Mr. Jody Hill? Uh, sure, why not? <laughs> oh, <laughs> enthusiasm. Let's hear it. What you got? <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, it seems like you've worked with, um, you know, we made a observer report that I was working with Seth Rogen, but, you know, Dan McBride is kind of a, I guess, a, a budding star, but Seth Rogen is already a star, so I was wondering, is there a, is there more of a pressure when you're working with somebody like Seth Rogen, who's already well-known, as opposed to working with somebody like, uh, you know, Dan McBride, who people may not necessarily know who he is? Do you feel like maybe you have to be more careful with the star because if something goes wrong, you could get in trouble, or, you know, maybe if you make them look bad, that could be bad for their career? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there wasn't for me personally, you know, like when I worked with Seth, because, uh, you know, Seth is, uh, he's, he's just, you know, he's kind of one of my friends. He's, like, a really cool dude. We met um, right after Put This Way. Uh, he, uh, he invited Danny and me to the set of, uh, of Knocked Up and kind of made friends with him. And uh, so I actually knew him for probably two years or so. You know, I was not as long as I knew Danny for, but he certainly wasn't a stranger. And, uh, you know, he was on board to, to do something crazy all along. So, uh, you know, and... But that being said, I mean, heck, maybe I did take a star and <laughs> make them into something weird. So, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. But I, I didn't really feel any, any pressure or anything like that. Seth certainly didn't put any of that on me. Yeah, I, I think when you, when you have a star like that, especially somebody who's a writer who's got a voice, um, that, that's just a collaboration. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people you know, kind of look into that kind of stuff and see it. Uh, differently, but when you're when you guys are spending every day together and you're making something together, I don't, you know, the politics of yeah. it leads to just getting getting the work onto the screen. Is that not true? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, um, and you guys probably understand it more than even like studio people do. You know, it's like they just kind of see the package of like, oh, here's the here's a comedy, and here's Seth Rogen, and here's Anna Ferris, but they're not really. I don't know if they're really. Uh, I don't know if they were, like, kind of getting what we were trying to make. And even, you know, it's kind of like, I wonder how many people even get it with the final product. You know, it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, it, it didn't work or it did work. I think it's about as it's kind of clear as some people see it, you know, in terms of money. Um, right. So, uh, you know, I don't know. There wasn't any pressure. I mean, maybe after it came out, everybody was like, what the, what the fuck? But I don't know, <laughs> like, like, while making it, if there was any pressure, I think everybody was just kind of happy to have Seth Rogen in one of their companies, you know? No, I think and, and I think it's really cool to see as somebody who ha, who has become a star. Like I mean, Knocked Up was obviously really huge, and then parlaying that that cloud into something worthwhile, you know, rather than just yeah. I'm not, you know, like Robin Williamsing it or whatever for a stretch or whatever, you know, that, that that's like giving back, you know, and and regardless of, of of how the initial box office is or how the studio feels about it, you know, in you know two years, ten years, whatever down the line. It's those movies that kind of shape us as film fans anyway. And, and uh, it's just, you know, well, keep, keep keeping the string alive. It's, it's really, you know, special. Yeah, and Seth, and Seth is great like that. I mean, like, um, you know, he's got a movie coming out that uh, that uh, my buddy Zine 
is going to be editing. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I'm with cancer, I want to say it's called, but uh, you know, like he takes he takes kind of uh, kind of risky choices, I think, and that's he's so not Hollywood. Like he's not just trying to become uh, some romantic comedy star. Like he's 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 down to make like you know different kind of things and explore different characters. So uh, he's actually somebody I kind of admire a lot for his, his choices and things. I'm going to bring somebody in from the 715 area code. What you got to say, sir? Uh, hi, uh, Jody. I'm a big fan. I love Put This Way. Oh, great. Thanks, man. Uh, I was wondering oh. about uh, this movie, uh, LPI, uh, LAPI, that you're doing, and uh, why, yeah. you chose, why you chose not to... I see you're not writing this one. I'm uh, just wondering about a little about that movie. Um, you know, uh, we have a... I have a company now with uh, David Gordon Green and Danny McBride uh, called Rough House. And, uh, that's, that was one of the first projects we bought. Um, and uh, just uh, we're, we're, we're developing it now with two writers. Um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen with that one, you know. Um, we're, we're working on the screenplay right now. Um, just something I'd like to try, you know. Uh, I feel like uh, so many times the writing takes so long and I'd like to make, a lot more movies, and, uh, you know, I feel like um, whoever, Scorsese and Altman and these kind of guys are able to get their voice on uh, on the screen without writing every word because they work so closely, like, with the development of their projects and the writers that um, I'm sure that it, it, it is theirs when it's all done. So it's, this is kind of like an experiment to see, uh, to see what that process is like and see if I can actually make more movies this way. That's really cool. Um, yeah, that, that's funny. Or it takes so long to write them and stuff, you know, and then you got to, they take so much time, like, it, you know, if their report took, like, three years, so I'd like to get it to where I could make a movie, you know, every year, so. Is there, is there anything else that's kind of in the pipeline that's getting closer that, I mean, because it's so hard, you know, there's nothing really, if you know, using the normal resources and finding out what's what, and there's no yeah. trade break about your next project. Is there anything that's uh, soon to be announced? Um, no, well, I mean, Maybe we have a bunch of uh, projects at uh, at Rough House that we've kind of been developing. Um, so there's that, and I've also got a few things I've been writing. But um, I, I, I kind of uh, I don't I'd like to kind of get away from this. But so far, I'm like get on one project, do it till it's done, and then go to the next one. Um, so uh, that's kind of where I've been with uh, Eastbound and Down for the past year. Um, kind of intentionally waiting until this is done to to pick the next one. Um, so that I have projects there that I can pick from. So I just wanted to kind of wait until uh, basically mid-October until uh, until I was finished editing. Um, he's coming down. So, so but, oh, no, I'm going to try to make a movie uh, sometime in the next year between uh, between this season and the next season of he's coming down. So I'd like to do. That's amazing. Okay, so that was, that, that was going to be one of my other questions. Like I know that you, that uh, you 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 didn't want to turn it into something that was. Um, you know, you, you, you're following the office motif in terms of how the show is handled, the original office. Um, yeah. So you you have a vision, God willing, that they'll the, uh, for a for future Eastbound and Down season. Yes, but not many. <laughs> <laughs> and that means, I hesitate to put a number on it, but we, you know, we say we'd like to see it go, to go at least three seasons. And uh, but that being said, no much longer than that, you know what I mean? It depends on how we're going to structure this next kind of uh, push that we have Kitty Powers going on. But uh -huh. um, uh, certainly we have an end in mind, and uh, it's not going to go on 
like, you know, season after season. It's going to be a limited run. And, um, you know, yeah, and, yeah, we're just trying to stick true to that kind of, uh, that idea of, like, fewer episodes, no filler, more like a, more like a miniseries than, yeah. or a movie rather than a TV show. Yeah, and just as an aside, Craig Robinson, probably the least convincing baseball swing I've ever seen. <laughs> a lot of good athletes working on this show. <laughs> it's weird, man. It feels like me and none of my friends know anything about sports or baseball. Like, we all were just kind of, like, hatched from some nerd egg. Like, <laughs> uh, great. We all kind of <laughs> no, it's, it's it's great. It's just, it's so funny because just you know that 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 one element. As a, I'm a huge baseball nerd, so I just kind of seen that. And like, yeah, probably probably not ripped from ripped from the field directly into comedy, Mr. Robinson. <laughs> let me let me bring in one more caller for you, and uh, from the nine seven three area code, who we got? Uh, hello, this is Isaac Shapiro calling. Hey, uh, can you hear me? How you doing? So, are yeah. you calling from the law offices of Isaac Shapiro? No, no, no. I'm other than Isaac Shapiro. The, uh, yeah, I've got a bit of a generic question to ask Jody. I'm sure he gets it all the time. I'm a fan of Observing Report, and I love this sort of, like, uh, style of dark comedy. And I, I, like, basically graduated from college in 2008 and been trying to break into the industry. Do you have any advice? I've been doing nothing but unpaid internships. They've all pretty much gone nowhere. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you know, man, we'll put this way. I, uh, I was working in L.A. for about, what, six, six years, I guess, like, and I did, like, PA jobs and worked on reality shows and tried to sell screenplays to a couple, like, what I thought were connections, but it's kind of a joke now when I think about it, like, you know, assistants and things, who I would meet. Um, so I, I ended up, like, trying to just save money for that time and then making, I, I paid for Foot This Way myself. You know, I, I looked on, you know, people's biographies, I've seen that, like, Gus Van Zandt did the same thing, and, you know, whoever, Kevin Smith, you know, even Tarantino had made one, you know, back a long time ago um, that he had paid for himself, you know. I, I kind of felt that this was, like, a common thread among filmmakers, so that's, I just kind of copied what they did and paid for my first film myself. Um, yeah, because I tried doing that myself, and I don't know, I was just like, I got no money coming in. Like, the only money I got from an internship was one time where I got paid $50 to, like, try and accuse Mario Lopez of rape for this, uh, <laughs> Sleazy, sleazy agent who wanted to promote Dustin Diamond's autobiography called Behind the Bell. So he paid me $50 to wear a shirt that says, I'm with Roman Polanski and save by the rape and get him to sign the book. So, like, Wait. put it on YouTube and sell it to me. Well, what are you complaining about? That's, like, that's amazing. <laughs> you got a good story out of that one. Yeah, yeah, at least. Um, back, back, oh, God, the guy was so creepy. <laughs> Man, I don't, yeah. you know, it's so fucking tough, man, but I would just say, like, if you, I don't know exactly what you want to do, but if you want to direct. No, I've tried writing my own stuff. I, like, I was put off Broadway at, like, at this little shitty thing on YouTube called Middle Age Meet Ninja Turtles. Okay. okay. I don't want to, like, crap. Well, yeah. well, I mean, keep trying, dude. I mean, you know, you don't need anybody's permission to make movies. You can just kind of make them. So it's like, you know, keep, keep making them, and maybe one day you could figure out a way to make a living out of it. That seems to be the, the, yeah. the deal, you know? I, th that's always that's always the case. You know, Hollywood doesn't want anybody new at all. And then, you know, when you finally get, you know, when, once you finally do it yourself, they embrace you with open arms and, 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 
and uh, and the doors close for the next guy. It's such a weird system, and, and it does seem I, to be I, the way it works. Yeah. I, I think it's great, though. I think you know, you really it helps weed out. I think a lot of a lot of folks, and, and uh, you know, may, you know, in, in your experience, Foot Fist may have been might have been the only film you actually had real control over, and obviously you've, you've been able to to do. Movies that are kind of personal and kind of in kind of your way, but that's that's the exception in a lot of respects. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel lucky to be this that I've gotten a, a little more kind of a freedom in terms of like the material I've made so far, you know. But I mean, I haven't exactly had a, like a string of hits or anything, so <laughs> I'd like for that to continue, you know. Um, but eventually, you know, you're, we're all going to face the questions about how do you feed your family and pay your rent and things like that. Right. So. Um, you know, um, yeah, I guess I just uh, there are more opportunities in New York. Well, I guess that. I... Oops, sorry. Accidentally uh, sent him packing. Oh, accidentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, we, we should tell him to keep his chin up. That's what you should have said, man. <laughs> <laughs> keep his chin up, sir. <laughs> I have no um, sympathy for guys trying to make the same joke because it is well, so tough for yeah. Well, and if you're in L.A. and you're not working, like, consistently, you're, you're surrounded by it every day. You know, either people yeah. that are trying to do the same thing or people that are doing it and, and succeeding at it. It's rough. Um, before yeah. you go, uh, I, I, you mentioned in the, the interview that one of our guys, Devin, ran with you uh, last year that Flash Gordon yeah. is your favorite movie. Yeah, Flash Gordon. There, seen, there's got to be a story saw, to that. Oh, well, you know what? It's, I think it, it was, there was a period where they were showing it on HBO when it, um, when um, – I guess when I first remember my family at least having HBO, I felt like it was on every afternoon. So I think I've seen Flash Gordon more than I've seen any other movie. So um, nostalgia is a big part of that. <laughs> you know, yeah. kinda, it was kind of uh, it was kind of like my Star Wars as a kid. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I, I, there, no, there were those movies. There were those movies on HBO. I don't know. I, I mean, I think we're roughly the same age. There was like there, there was those movies that they kept kept force feeding us that either mm-hmm. you you grew like this bizarre. Uh, adverse reaction to it and, and abandon the idea of film altogether or you embrace them wholeheartedly. And there was, there was a handful of movies that were like that. And, and uh, yeah. that was kind of the golden age in some respects. You don't get that anymore. Yeah. It was the golden age of video, I guess, or cable. Yeah, um, yeah I, was, no. I used to, like, think I was Flash Gordon when I was a kid. Like, I would tell the teachers and stuff at school that was my name. <laughs> like, it's really like, like the kid who wears the cape, you know, like that kind of thing. That's... Uh, that was kind of me and Flash Gordon. You know, a lot of a lot of the a lot of those people become the filmmakers and actors that we love. It's kind of funny how like what, what's the, what's the, what's the detriment during our formative years becomes a, a virtue as we get older. Yeah. So, well, I tell you, man, we are really excited about the new season and and whatever you oh, got thanks. cooking next. Big fans of your stuff and, and looking forward to chatting with you down the line, man. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it, man. Be good. Thanks. Okay. Uh-huh. Bye bye. Justin, you didn't mention him getting locked out of the editing room. I'm very helpful during these interviews, aren't I? I love it. Actually, I, had a, I love it. I, I, I had a few questions, like, for him that I didn't say. Wow. Well, I've got, I've got a guy in the, from the 801, one of the, on, the only caller that's hung, hung with us, even though Jody's not on the phone. So let, let me let that person on the air, and I'd like to hear what questions you are going to ask, Justin. Who is this? Uh, this is Brian. Sorry that we, uh, we weren't able to uh, get you... Get you in there, sir. Um, what were you going to ask? You know, I was going to ask kind of how he finds that balance and tone that he does so well in his films, like between the really dark, and then he even puts in a little bit of sentimentality in there, but he always keeps that balance perfectly to keep it just on the dark side, and I was going to see how he, he establishes and finds that. 
Well, we don't know. Right. <laughs> we have no idea. Nick, way to go. Well, but, but, but at least I, I brought in the caller who was able to shill what he was working on. Nah, he's nice. I mean, I've, been, I've been drafting that question for a while. Um, <laughs> that was a good question, man. I mean, I, I wonder how he does it. Let's speculate. It comes naturally. I, I, think, I, uh, I think what he does is he, he picks, up, picks up a Robert McKee book and reads to what Robert McKee would do and then just rips it off completely. Because Robert McKee is the is the fount of all information regarding coming up with great stuff. Agreed. No? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, actually, no. I, I, I wonder. You know, it seems like he's such like a normal, natural kind of guy. I, I, I can't. You know, I, I think his instincts are really good, and and you know, they, especially in the people that he collaborates with. You know, it's a lot of the similar kind of minded people. I kind of wonder if like. They just have like their their vision, and, and it is what it is, and, and maybe they, they don't even know what kind of makes it tick, in some respects. <laughs> yeah, because because I mean well, they they are they are kind of films of a mind, and, and even the show is of its kind of own mind. And I don't I don't there's nothing about that stuff that seems overthought or over strategized. It seems like it kind of just happens. Yeah, and I think I think he may have kind of answered it a bit for me when he was talking to another one of your callers, and he. He, he talked about how they just kind of try to focus on the character and everything just comes out of the character. And I think that might be another big reason why they're, they're kind of able to create a good feel and balance because they're so focused on just this character and telling that character's story that wherever it goes, it, it goes naturally. Yeah. That's, that's cool. And, and, you know, the great thing is is that, you know, he talked about how he hasn't had, like, a big hit or anything like that, but... The fact is, he's, his work has, has has reached enough folks and, and had enough of a response that he gets, you know, he's got development deals and he's able to develop projects and he and he gets offered projects and and I, I love that that you know there are some folks who immediately jump on whatever is offered to them, you know, the big dollar things, or whatever. And it seems like those guys, like you know him uh, and McBride and, and probably to a lesser extent, you know, they're kind of extended circle of guys. Um, they, I think, they're happy with what they do and they don't really. You know, feel the need to make a hundred million dollar, you know, action comedy. As much as I, I, I like, you know, like Adam McKay and all those guys, their their movies have gotten bigger and bigger. And and uh, obviously, there's more answerables to that kind of stuff. And and uh, Eastbound is is definitely. Um, can you imagine what it would be like if if there was a focus group mentality to that show? Yeah, it'd be like just kill it. <laughs> hey, no. That's not nice. I think I have a bug in my shoe. That was, that was one of my questions. That was one of my questions. Yeah, I think I do. See, I wish I could kind of him back. So I was going to ask him. Um, this is what I was going to ask him. I read this. I was going to say, any relation? Any relation to Jonah? That's on the on the IMDb message boards. There's like five or six people that have posted that. Any relation to Street Blues? Come on, guys. Are you glad that I didn't say anything? Uh, I think you would have found a way to, to own it and to make it all your own. <laughs> what? What? What do you now? See, he kind of slipped there that that, that there is good, that, that they do have a third season. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. at thirty if they already kind well, of. Locked What's surprising to me is that there's, I, to me, it felt like that, se- that season. I think people said this a lot. Is that it just felt like they were ending it? It felt like that's what they wanted to do, and they just wanted to have one season. I mean, obviously, financially, you never want want that, but 
it just seemed like that they were so confident in the way they ended that show. No, I, uh, I I think I think what they did was I think what they did like was they wrote they, themselves in a corner in a way. No, I don't think so. I, I think that what they did was really smart in that they ended it in a way that they knew that they were going to be going in a different direction they came back, but they also knew that if it didn't get the reception, that at least it has an ending that that, that is an ending. Because yeah, exactly, exactly. don't get renewed, and, and then they just feel like these bizarre orphans. Like, I think, it's Isabel Furman, I think, um, but uh, but I think with that, I, I, I think they fully had intentions to go further with it. I don't think they were putting a, a, a punctuation mark on, on the character. I think they were just kind of give, covering their ass like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. They, they probably were just covering themselves. But, um, you know, they could have done another season or two in that town. You know, just in that town. It was fun enough in there, but they, they yeah, took yeah, it to a I, whole different place. I don't think, I, I don't think the town – more? I mean, I guess, I'm glad. John I'm glad. in there? Come on. No, John, but that was like the least John Hawks, John Hawks performance. <laughs> it was, but I mean, like was. as much as as fun as the show is, John Hawks was not. They did not take full advantage of John Hawks. Neither did Deadwood, actually. You know, you know, but uh, oh, he was great in Deadwood, though. He was great, but, but he was he he's a, he's a nutty he's a nutty specimen of humanity, and he could have, you know, he was like the the, do, the, the purest of those people on Deadwood. How did he do? How did he do uh, in Miami Vice? I I, you know the thing. I'm not sure. See, I I think he was okay. Did he make because it? Because it was it wasn't all of his blood on the pavement. It was a a, a percentage of it. Hmm. But I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember if he's okay. Uh, I mean, all he, right, was well, involved, he was involved in a traffic accident. Um, a little bit. It wasn't an accident. <laughs> involved in a traffic purpose. Traffic on purpose. Um, yeah. I love I love how the truck didn't even stop. It's like, see ya. I'm taking John. What's left of John with me to town? John Hawks. Yeah, yeah I love the man. He's he's incredible. But but I think I think you're overestimating the damage he received from the from the semi to the face. Did you see at the deleted scene when they show him later in a leg cast? Was that him? Didn't, yeah. No, see. Uh, I saw the I saw the uh, the the storyboards for the scenes yeah. that they didn't shoot where he's in the witness protection program, mm. and he's got a little a little Indiana Jones scar on his chin. Um, but otherwise, you know, it's John Hawks, which is incredible. um and and also um, another interesting subplot, the um, the uh, the agent in the car, uh, in in the deal that goes bad, the agent in the car. Um, his arm was also in a cast. How did he do? Um, I gotta get going. I gotta get back to work. But that's one to say before I leave. That he sounded like a nice guy. Yeah, I, 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 I don't yeah, know him, he, but he seemed like a nice guy. Yeah, nice yeah. Other, well, other people that you had on that didn't like my um, Edward Norton joke. Your Edward Norton joke was fantastic. Actually, I'm watching an Edward Norton movie right now that I'm really enjoying. Which one? It's called Leaves of Grass. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a, that never came out in the theater. It's a Tim Blake Nelson movie. Yep, yep. I'm 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 about three quarters of the way through it. And I'm uh, I'm doing a DVD review for Chud, and uh, it'll be a positive. Supposed to be a good movie, actually. Yeah, it really is. I guess um, it never so, came here. I think it maybe came to theaters a little bit, but that's not too bad. I'd, I'd like to see it. I'm glad that you hear it's good. All right, um, I got to go. Well, all right. Well, uh, thanks. Uh, I'll catch up with you. We need to do a real podcast soon. Yeah, that'd be good. All right. So I'm all by myself for the last 15 minutes of this show, and that's a sad thing for many of us, mostly me. 
So if you would like to come in and talk to not Jody Hill, it would be my pleasure. It would absolutely be my pleasure to uh, to chat you up and, and to make your day better with my presence. I would do that for you. Um, otherwise, I'll talk about some jack shit that comes out of my head. Um, first of all, yes, I'm watching Leaves of Grass, and it's a, a Tim Blake Nelson movie about Edward Norton who plays two, two roles, and uh, so cutting-edge stuff, and, uh, you know, I, I kind of, Edward Norton's one of those guys who, as good as he is, and as many, you know, good movies as he's done, it's almost like, you know, he kind of, he's, he's, he's faded somehow, um, and it's a shame, because, like, he's made so many great movies, but in, in recent years, even though he's been acting, and he's been in some good movies, and he's still respected, there's that weird thing where he's kind of like not the Edward Norton of uh, of Fight Club slash you know Primal Fear slash Twenty Fifth Hour and and this movie kind of restores some of that. I mean it's it's really good seeing him again. I have a caller from the nine zero four area code. I will bring onto the air. Hello, who's this? Jason Becker. Hey Jason, how you doing, man? I'm all right. I tried to call in to talk to Jerry Hill, but I'm sort of glad that it didn't get picked up. I was very nervous. That guy's like my hero. I probably would really. Yes. Which uh, which of his films was the catalyst for you? Um, I don't know, man. I I saw the Foot Fist Way. Um, I was like found out about it. I can't remember what I saw first. It all just sort of like happened at the same time. I probably saw everything. I saw Eastbound and Down and Observant Report and Foot Fist Way within like three weeks of each other. Because I was a fan of Danny McBride before. You know, I found out about Foot This Way. I've already seen him in other things. Like uh, and then you Hill. found out that that Danny McBride is Danny McBride because of Jody Hill. I guess. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. obviously because he's great on his own, but also, you know, like, I think Foot Fist Foot is pretty much the... Uh, yeah, the, uh, I was... What, what were you going to ask? Came, I, I wasn't going to... Well, the, another reason I'm glad, I was probably just going to talk about how ever since I saw the Foot This Way, I just really want to see Danny McBride in a remake of Roadhouse with, uh, like, Will Ferrell as Wade Garrett. And uh, that would be really dumb. So I'm, I was, like, relieved. I came up with a question while I was listening, but that was my main thing is to talk about the Roadhouse remake. Well, don't you Aaron think he Pye. came off as just a really nice guy, though, like a really just regular guy? Yes, he did. I was more worried about what you would say than what he would say, you know, having seen interviews with him. <laughs> uh, well, I don't blame you. I'm I'm not uh, Mike Wallace. Um, but, uh, He's like, fuck you, I'm hanging up. That's such yeah, a stupid not, thing. I, and it would be justified. But um, but the cool thing is, I mean, like, the that guy just seems, you know, very much like just one of us, like a regular Yeah, person. I was really just going to, like, the question I came up with after that fact was, like, do you get a sense that studios don't um, understand comedies, like, they try to like, when like you have Anchorman who they can't make a they won't make a sequel to Anchorman, even though it's successful and it will probably have that sort of Austin Powers two effect where the sequel would be more successful despite whatever weird computer program they say. What you I'm sure I don't know if you know or read you know whatever. But yeah, um, no, I'll tell you I first. I don't fact. think they get that like get things that are like get like a movie like Anchorman to me. The people I picture in my head that run studios and make those decisions are just, like, angered by the idea of, this makes no sense. 
where is the story? He, the, this love story is there's, there's no seriousness to this. Like, like they all think that the a movie should be like, like the like follow like the SNL, like Adam Sandler trajectory where you let them do their little silly shit, but then you force them to put in like a plot. Like a I, I think that there's this big misnomer about studio executives and stuff like that, that they're like these automatons that, that think that way. The, the weird thing is, is the more and more I meet, the more people I meet in that business, and I've, and I've met quite a few um, and, and, uh, on different levels in this food chain, they, they know, I mean, like they appreciate funny movies and they'll quote funny movies and they, and, and they, and, and they are fans of a lot of the movies that, that are the kind that are controversial or or weren't successful, but when it comes down to the the equation of math and and, and how much is a laugh worth and, 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 and how much risk is worth it, that's where it kind of gets treacherous. And I think, um, you know, there's this weird thing where those people, it's kind of their job to to ask these questions because, like, there's so much fear and, and, and accountability is a bitch there. Like, if a movie, you know, like, they, they're very scared to, to, to commit because if something doesn't go well, it reflects on them. And, 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 you know, it's such a weird weird uh, shark mentality in that business to where, you know, everybody's fighting for their jobs and they're trying to, trying to you know, toe the line and all that. So I, I, think, I think, you know, their heart, you know, their heart's in the right place, but their brain, unfortunately, is what, you know, is, is responsible for getting their, you know, paying the rent. So I think, I think you know, like Anchorman, I, I, I can almost guarantee that there is going to be another Anchorman movie. As much as McKay has tweeted otherwise and, is, you know, we've ran articles on it too, there's going to be another Anchorman. I mean, it, the movie is... You know, I think uh, right now it's leverage, it's politics, and, and uh, you know, um, it's it's a, it's a weird situation. But I, I but I, I I think I think they get what what movies are good. I think you know Scott Pilgrim using it as, as as an overused example of us talking about it. Um, people love that movie. Like the people that were like the executives, they love that movie. But uh, you yeah. know, it's, you know, it's it's, it's those are my two love. main inspirations are Edgar Wright and and uh, Jonah Hill. I, I'll, or not Jonah Hill, Jody Hill. <laughs> you could do a hell of a lot worse, though. I mean, that, that's that's a good example. And, th- and those are two guys that, you know, there's no. I don't. I can't, I can't imagine us looking back in ten years and saying when when did he sell out. I can't imagine there being that moment. I mean, they may not. They may they may make some films that are a little bit more broad for for you know their career sake. But I can't imagine uh, any you know guys like that. And there are other people in that spectrum too that that certainly um, represent. You know who we would like to be, and, and who, and, and, and the kind of talent that we'll follow. Because I'm finding it harder and harder to follow talent. You know, it's, it's like back in you know when I was first into film, there was those guys who, you know, I had like my you know I, my video section was was completely designated by director. I had my Oliver Stone section, the Scorsese section, and Copeland, and on and on and on, Raimi. And now um, People are, it's kind of this weird incestuous thing, you know, they'll go to TV, they'll go to the film, they'll, they'll do one for me, one for you kind of thing, and it's, it's a different, you know, there's only a few guys who are able to get away with that, so, um, you've chosen pretty good role models, I think, with, yeah. and you're a filmmaker, oh. if I'm not mistaken. No, I'm a, a comic book creator. I know you're at comics, but I thought you were, I thought it was originally kind of designed to become a film eventually, am I wrong? Um, we were working on it, uh. So yeah, I mean I, I'm changing. I I say something to somebody, and they say something to somebody, and they say something to somebody that talks to people who are involved in the film. I'm about 
you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon away from actually making a film, but it's out there in the, like, far away ether where I can sort of see it if I look closely. Yeah. So um, what did you, the, uh, I assume you have HBO? I do have HBO. I'm very excited about, uh, I have it just, I'm going to have it just long enough to finish out, to watch the second season of Eastbound and Down, and then I'm doing away with my cable uh, altogether because of Netflix, watch it now, and various things of that nature. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the decision to go to, to go to Mexico, season two? I was excited. I was excited because I can't wait to see uh, the actor uh, Michael Pena. Yeah, you know, was he was so, so great, and I was disappointed to find out that he's not playing the same guy. <laughs> oh well, there's probably legal reasons he can't be. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that was just my the, the the same place where I sit and watch Roadhouse and imagine Danny McBride. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not with you on the Roadhouse thing. I, I think that I mean, that's it, the guy that was sitting there saying he's going to be the same guy he was in Eastbound and Down. Well, no, see, like, like your idea for Roadhouse to me represents that. I mean, like that's why. I mean, I thought the Land of the Lost movie was ill, ill conceived. No, it would be a shot for shot, line for line, like Gus Van Sant's Psycho style remake. It wouldn't be a reimagining or a reboot or anything. It would be the exact same movie, just with Danny McBride and Will Ferrell instead of. The only way I'd really like to see Roadhouse remade is with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be that would be a a feat. That yeah. would change and the Jeff, world. And Jeff Healy, while we're at it, let's get them both. Um, that would change but, the world if that happened. I hope that that would be a, a uh, an event. They would make an NBC series. About I think Ramiro Ramiro would invo be involved in some capacity. Um, so while I've got you, you're a long-time Chud guy. Uh, how do you feel? How do you feel about the the first few weeks of the new incarnation of Chud? Has it has it maintained your attention? Yeah, I mean you're there more, so it's it's funnier, and I appreciate that. When I first started with Chud, it was for the because it was it was like a funny take on things. Um, you still got Sand Strange, and um, the straight articles aren't you know as as good as they were like I never really like um, any kind of news article I wouldn't like unless it had Devin's name or your name um, I wouldn't actually click on it and now that Devin's gone I, and I still want to go to Chud I, I click on everybody's name and some of the new guys need to find their voice but you know it's it's certainly it's not as uh, as um, like as, as, I don't want to say insightful. That doesn't seem right. That seems like a like a negative critique. But it, it's it's funnier. It's more like a like a little bit less nerd like nerd rage serious than when Devin was in charge. That's a fair. That's a fair critique. And and honestly, I think it's going to take us several months because I've got I got two two new people coming on next next month, and um, that'll be working on Chud and this other site that we're building, and and everybody's going to kind of kind of incestuous back and forth I think but but I think we're going to be I think we'll be in a good place once Steve Murphy is able to come help out and, oh, God, uh, and yes yeah and Ren, and Ren gets more time to do the fun stuff he's working on he's got a, he's got a couple of new kind of yeah, he's, he's, he's my new second second go-to guy now that Devin's got it it's you and then him and I mean right. I would be very excited to see Steve come aboard so he is yeah. he he, uh, he, uh, he put in his notice at his job uh, last 
Friday. His first day of work is a week from Friday here. I, I feel be, like he's going to have a voice. He's a, it's a shitty voice, but he'll have one. <laughs> Hopefully a lot of articles about uh, Ronan and Shutter. Yeah, and, and, and he'll and he'll have a picture of uh, from Cran- Cranford at the bottom of his articles. I think he had that I email. Th- I have to thank him because now whenever I say the word shutter, I say it like it's, like it's that. impossible it's not shutter. to. I know it's 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 horrible because it pisses, like, it pisses uh, off my girl to no end. I'm just like, hey, I really enjoyed that movie, Shutter Island. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Steve Steve is this weird. He was born in this podunk. Part of Georgia, like a total redneck kid with like buck teeth and cross eyes. Might no be kidding. related then. Well, well, okay, so he has that, and then he moved to England for seven years. So he went from one extreme to another, and then the Steve that we have, that we know and love, that we have now, is like this bizarre Frankenstein of those two cultures. And and most of the time, it, it serves for good comedic, you know, comedic value, but every once in a while, it manifests itself in, in stuff like shucker, and and. <laughs> You know, some people call him a Brad Pitt sound alike, but I think he's more of like uh, this bizarre, like EarthX version of like Don Knotts or something. I don't know. It's bizarre, but uh, yeah, he'll be here. He'll be here. He'll be. Uh, he'll be. Uh, he'll be doing a lot of stuff. And and uh, as far as Devin going, Devin definitely the brainier aspect. We have to. We have to find that because he's definitely he 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 upped the uh, cultural and in, uh, intellectual level of the site. Uh, and uh, I do my my best to tug it in the exact opposite direction with my shit. So I think we'll find a balance. But you know, I've always been. I've always wished you would do more stuff. I was, you know, I am a big lover of the list of Dom, and I've sent a few things in. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's I did a three pager last week, and I'm working on a new one uh, for for next week. So yeah, that, that that is at the mercy of the shitty photographs that I find and people take and. I have this policy of not using any, like, Internet, you know, photographs or memes or any of that kind of stuff. Because a lot of people will send those those really good and funny things, but I figure these need to be homegrown for it to really I think work. I have a picture so, of a, a rape van painted like the A-Team van, if you're interested. A, a rape van? Yes. It, it was, look, it was a dirty van that I took a picture of with my cell phone while I was driving, risking my life. Because it had the 18 stripe on it, I'm like, holy no, shit! I think that, that is, is a great band. That definitely, definitely qualifies. I think the last one I had a truck painted like the General Lee with a, uh, a keep on coming or whatever kind of bumper sticker. So I think the rape band certainly fits into it. Um, I'm about to, I'm in the home stretch here, but really, man, thanks so much for calling in. And and, uh, and uh, if I get an opportunity to get Mr. The Hill back on, I will make sure that you're the first caller. Okay, I really appreciate it. I love the Chud Show. I love Chud.com. You know, keep on with it, and I'm really looking forward to um, the. Don't be afraid of the dark. Thanks, man. We've, and and, we've and, and the, uh, we saw the trailer for that, and like my fingers are in my ears. Like I've already seen it online like three times. Yeah, we went awesome. and saw a film, and that trailer was there. Fingers in my ears because I know it's yeah. coming. It's All right. Well, good luck with good, good luck with killing Pikmin too, man. Thanks. I got somebody from the 507 who's going to ride this out with me. Who is this? Oh, hey, this is uh, Andrew. I'm coming from actually Nebraska. Well, that's a, that's that's far. That's far away. That is. What far do you, away. what what what, what can we, are you the Andrew I've spoken to before? Or is this a different Andrew? Uh, this is a different Andrew. Oh, I guess Chud is really big amongst people named Andrew. I love it. So we got 30 <laughs> seconds left before the show goes straight to hell. What what you got? Uh, well, um, actually, I was calling in. I guess I just kind of missed uh, uh, Mr. Hill for a second, yeah. but uh, I just want to, I'm really excited for Eastbound and Down Season 2, and I guess all I can say is that just, you know, 
Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but just, you know, wish it well, basically. I'm with you, man. I'm, I, I'm more excited about this season strictly because it abandoned all the stuff from last season. I love the fact that they're challenging themselves, and, and Mexico's always a good place to challenge yourself. So I'm looking really forward to it. Uh, I think it's going to be a blast, and I really appreciate everybody calling in. And Mr. Hill, thank you guys so much. I am uh, I'm the fuck out of here. <laughs>